0: Snuff
1: production. Hello, welcome to the briefing. It is Friday the 13th of August. I'm Tom Tilley, joined by Jan Fran. And Jan, I guess for anyone in lockdown, it's well done on getting to the end of another groundhog week. And anyone with their freedoms, go out and rip it up this weekend.
0: Oh mate, if you're in WA, go to a restaurant, go to the beach don't think about covid enjoy your life um for the rest of us particularly those uh in sydney and in melbourne on today's show we're going to talk about how to get through lockdown you know the ones that are happening and the ones that could happen again
2: go easy on yourself this is hard nobody knows the circumstances of anyone's lives and what's going on for them. So we just have to be also a little bit compassionate with others.
1: Yeah, some good advice there. There'll be more of it in the briefing as we take your questions about surviving lockdown. A lot of it's really about expectations, which is hard in this situation because they're changing so often. Uh, First, here are the big stories of today.
0: Well, Canberra has gone into lockdown for the first time in more than a year. This is after recording four new cases of COVID. This is the most serious public health risk that we have faced in the Territory this year, uh, really since the beginning of the pandemic.
1: That's the ACT Chief Minister Andrew Barr announcing a one-week lockdown yesterday. It sounded like he was facing a wave of Ebola or something there, the way he was talking about it. We are talking about four cases after a man in his 20s tested positive. He's been infectious in the community since Sunday and three more cases um, came up after they made that announcement. They were close contacts of the man.
2: Not really a surprise that with someone who is a young man who's
0: very infectious and spends lots of time with certain people, that's why we do contact tracing. That was the ACT Chief Health Officer, Karen Coleman, um, speaking to the ABC there. I know that you said the ACT Chief Minister sounded like he was announcing you know, cases of Ebola. I just don't think Canberra is used to this. You know, they've previously been 105 days COVID free. And that was a diplomat who got it in hotel quarantine. But it's been over a year Mm. since the last locally acquired case. So, you know, they are on high alert, even in the most minuscule of case numbers.
1: Hey, so I remember earlier in the pandemic, you were saying your dreaded scenario is that if you got COVID, the places you'd visited had would come out in public. So this uh, 20-year-old guy, he was in a nightclub until about 4 or 5 a.m. And then he was at a Pentecostal church by about 10 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> With lots of people probably singing, For I imagine. For sins. Yeah tougher restrictions and more troops for Sydney, the New South Wales government will ask the Commonwealth for 500 extra troops on top of the 300 they already have to help enforce lockdown rules.
0: Yeah, and Police Commissioner Mick Fuller will recommend ways to strengthen public health orders. Now, all of this comes as a number of Sydney LGAs under the toughest restrictions in the state grew to 12, with three more areas around the inner parts of the City of Sydney joining the west and southwest.
1: So that's getting closer to where you are in the inner west. Are you one of those new LGAs?
0: No, but it's creeping towards this direction. I heard it described as a storm the other day, which I thought was interesting because you can kind of visualise it just moving across the city, which is what it appears to be doing slowly.
1: So residents in those uh, 12 LGAs now um, have to wear a mask when they leave the house and can't travel uh, more than five kilometres for exercise or essential shopping. Uh, The rest of the city is 10Ks. They also have tighter restrictions on what sort of work they can leave the home to do and mandatory testing for those people who are going to work.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting in New South Wales just seeing the creep um, of LGAs having to go into this hard lockdown. The state reported 345 new cases yesterday. Very, very stubborn numbers, Um, although there was a record 150,000 tests in the state as well. Um, I should say there is growing concern about children, and mm-hmm. um, particularly with this Delta strain. Um, I was reading some pretty interesting statistics that in the past two weeks, children and teenagers, so those under 19, made up more than a third of coronavirus cases. And just in the last 24 hours, 44 were under the age of nine. Wow. Um, so this is definitely a new frontier for the New South Wales government because, of course, children are not vaccinated um, and now appear to be getting the Delta strain a lot more than what they were before the strain.
1: Yeah, that is concerning. Can your employer make you get the jab? Well, we now have legal advice from Australia's workplace regulator and the answer is, it depends.
0: Yeah, the answer was never going to be a direct yes or no, but there is a little bit more information. The Fair Work Ombudsman last night released a legal guidance saying that employees could be forced to get the jab, but whether it's lawful, well, that'll be examined on a case-by-case basis.
1: So their guidance breaks workplaces into four tiers, and which tier your workplace is in will depend on the level of interaction with the public and also the level of risk of the public that you're working amongst.
0: Employers are going to have um, more reasonable grounds to require vaccinations for tier one and two workplaces. So that includes things like hotel um, quarantine, border control, health, aged care. But there's also workplaces that have interactions with the public. So, you know, supermarkets, for example, and whether or not they will be allowed to require their employees will depend on things like how much virus there is in the community, um, how much face to face interaction the staff do with customers. So, um, it's, it's really going to end up being quite a nuanced thing that's going to be assessed per workplace, per situation. And, you know, it's something that countries around the world are grappling with as well, including the United States and Britain.
1: And the march of the Taliban continues in Afghanistan. The US has begun evacuating its embassy staff in the Afghan capital of Kabul as the Taliban captures more and more cities and advance on Australia's former headquarters in Tarrant
0: Yeah, this is really a concerning development. The US media is reporting that American troops have been deployed back to Afghanistan, basically to aid the evacuation of embassy personnel. Military intelligence is showing that the capital could come under attack Within a month, um, a News Corp is reporting that there are around 250 former Afghan interpreters in the Taran-Kaut region who are seeking visas from the Australian government. Their future at the moment is very, very uncertain.
1: All right. Just after this short message, uh, we'll talk about how to survive lockdown. All right, Jan, let's go there. Lockdown. How are you feeling?
0: Let's do it. How am I feeling? I am feeling a lot better than what I was feeling a week ago. I think I hit a wall a week ago. Um, Just feeling really claustrophobic, missing my parents, hadn't seen my parents in ages, and then just having this rising anxiety about not knowing when it was going to end. And I sort of just felt like I had to turn it around. Otherwise, I was going to just stare into the abyss and feel horrible for ages.
1: So at that point last week where you were really feeling it. What was going on at that exact time? Like, how were you expressing that?
0: Oh, I think I was just feeling like pretty sad, random outbursts, crying at weird intervals. Mm. Maybe there was some wine involved at some point. (laughs) That's probably what happened. (laughs) And just feeling in a low mood. That's how it kind of manifested.
1: And what sort of made you feel, you're saying you're feeling a bit better now. What changed?
0: I've been exercising like a demon these last seven days. I've been doing motivation, drinking water. You know, all of those hacks that you kind of like see on Instagram that's like how to improve your day. Mm. I've kind of just been implementing them a little bit more and also just adjusting my expectations, Mm. you know. But I reckon so many people are also in a similar boat to me. Like we've got both our major cities in lockdown right now. Sydney is heading into its eighth week. Melbourne is in it's six lockdown, you know, even Queensland and South Australia have both had lockdowns in the past few weeks. So it's been a big thing for Australia.
1: Oh, absolutely massive. I guess the thing is, we didn't expect to be here.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which makes it, you know, difficult to deal with. We thought that maybe, hey, we'd solve COVID or we'd reduce COVID to the point where we could kind of live freely. And that's not really the case. You know, we've got experts now saying that lockdowns are going to be the reality until the majority of our population is vaccinated we're nowhere near that. It's just 20% of adults that are fully vaccinated in Australia around that. So if this is the reality, you know, how do Mm. we get through these lockdowns?
1: Yeah, so our expectations have been absolutely blown out of the water, given we thought we were doing really well. And then day by day, you get these case numbers, particularly in Sydney, and then also the the smaller but very impactful numbers in Victoria, just pushing those goalposts to a distance that feels kind of out of reach at the moment. So yeah, we're going to get deep on this surviving and living in lockdown in this briefing. We've put a call out to your questions, Jen, Jen put a video out to you all and got some really good reactions um, like this one from Paris.
0: Why do lockdowns make us feel anxious? I can't escape the feeling
1: like constant anxiety. Yeah, so that's a good one, Paris. Thank you for that one. We're going to put that question and a whole bunch of others to Dr. Jo Mitchell. She's a clinical psychologist who's been working with individuals and organisations to manage their mental health and their well-being through this time. Joe, thanks for joining us. What do you say to Paris?
2: I say to Paris, you're probably not alone. I think different reasons make people feel anxious about lockdown. A lot of it's around the uncertainty. And for some people, I think it's the feeling of being trapped and being told what to do. So, yes, it's probably normal to be feeling anxious. And I guess what we have to learn to do is sit with it and work out what's causing our particular anxiety.
0: Because I sort of feel a little bit like Paris myself. I've just got this, I call it a dull roar of anxiety And I kind of want to know how to snap out of it. Like, do you have any tips or hacks that I can implement in my life?
2: The biggest thing is to breathe because usually anxiety is physiological response. Mm. So breathing, which sounds really simple, but taking care of your own body and listening to what it needs. I think that talking to people as well really helps realising that you're not alone in this experience. So hearing other people's stories can just help you to go, okay, I'm not alone.
1: I think one of the things that happens is our expectations are constantly destroyed by more case numbers or lockdowns that we have no control over. And it's something Jan and I were talking about earlier. How do you manage your expectations when these external sources are changing them on
2: you? Tom, that's a really hard one because I think when we try to predict where this is going, that's when it causes even more anxiety for us. So I think another thing that really probably adds to the anxiety is social media and constantly listening to news sources is another way of looking at it.
0: Joe, we've got another question that comes from M. I'd love to know how to deal with the feeling of going nowhere with my career. I work in a COVID-affected industry and I feel like I've lost two
2: crucial years of progression. There's all sorts of reasons why our careers may be stall at various times and this time it just happens to be related to a pandemic. I would also look at resetting some goals, working out, okay, How committed are you to the industry that you're in? Because if this is really important to you, then you're going to stick with it anyway. And I think a lot of the people that have been particularly challenged come from creative industries. We know that Mm. you know how to think creatively and I know it sucks that you have to do it again. But to think about your career, perhaps a little bit creatively or differently and see if you can find other pathways to get to where you want to be. Got
1: a good one here from Lydia. Something that I reckon um, a lot of people could relate to, especially when they check their bank statements.
0: How do I resist the urge to buy, buy, buy?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think um, a common response to any discomfort is to consume in some form, whether that's buying or eating or drinking. Depends what your bank balance looks like. If your bank balance is looking relatively healthy, then maybe it's okay to spend Mm. a little bit. So it's not all buying is bad, but if, you know, you don't have the money, then I think it's maybe stopping and looking at why do I have this urge? It's usually because we've got some kind of discomfort and we're looking for some way to feel better about life.
1: Yeah, which is often tied to phone addiction as well, which is a massive problem in times like this.
2: Yeah, the whole getting on my phone and doom scrolling, or just going to TikTok or to something to make me feel a little bit better. Like all things in life, you know, nothing's completely terrible to do or bad to do. It's just about how much we do it and trying to get a little bit of balance.
0: So should people just go for a walk the next time they want to hop onto a website and buy something that they know they don't need? Like, what is the practical thing that can be done here? I'm so pragmatic. So I'm like, if I get into that situation, I just want to know that there's something else that I can do in that moment.
1: Treadmill.
2: If <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a treadmill <laughs> at home, get on the treadmill. Absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> Distraction. So distract yourself with something else. Go for a walk, bake a cake, pull out the ukulele, do a handstand. doesn't really matter. Just find something else to do. The other thing you can do is just ask yourself, okay, do I really need this? Is this what I really want to do?
1: Okay, this is an interesting one from Kylie that I hadn't thought of.
0: Hi, guys. My question isn't so much about strategies during lockdown, but more so after lockdown, when things are going back to normal. What are some strategies for coping with the social anxiety that often comes with it?
2: Well, there's a Chinese proverb, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Hmm. Just go easy. Little steps, doing the easiest first steps. So, it might be socially to go see people that you know really well or make it a smaller group of people. Just don't rush back in. Give yourself a month or so to transition just slowly back into the life that you you want to be having.
0: Okay, next question comes from Jen. I really like this question because it sort of flips the idea of lockdown on its head a little bit. Here's Jen.
2: Hi, guys. Jen here. Is there an upside to lockdown? Is there a hidden advantage? Could it actually be doing me some good?
0: Mm, hidden yeah. advantage to lockdown. What do you reckon, Joe?
2: Absolutely. Certainly I've got clients who are like, thank God for lockdown. The advantage for them is just this sense of, I don't have to keep doing all the things, like being so busy. So it's a chance to simplify life and recalibrate. The hardest thing for anyone in Victoria is the fact that they've had this chance to simplify and recalibrate maybe a little too often. Hmm. But yes, I think that for some people, there is definitely an advantage. I also think that the amount of attention that it has given to, and by attention, I also mean funding, that it is directed towards mental health has been, from my perspective, a big upside. Yeah, I think that we can find an upside. I don't know, did you Tom,
1: Jan, mm. have you found an upside in this experience? Well, I'm an I'm a wildly extroverted person. So in a sense, it was one of the first times in my life where I, I pulled it back and really just spent time at home. So there were elements of positivity to that. I've also been um, writing a book. So I've tried to channel it into productivity as well. It's the sort of productivity you can do with these restrictions, obviously. But that's also sometimes flipped back on me where if I'm not, achieving that productivity and sort of making the most of it, I'm a little bit tough on
2: myself. Jan, what about you? Any upside?
0: I mean, I initially had the feeling of like, oh, great. I don't have FOMO anymore because Mm. I don't have to do anything so I can kind of take my foot off the pedal. It ebbs and flows for me. I've definitely felt like twinges of positivity about being inside, but for the most part, I'm really looking forward to getting out of lockdown. I can't tell you
2: you're ready to bust loose i think that productivity idea is a really interesting one as Mm. well we're very very Mm. addicted to this kind of busy productive as a way of reflecting our self-worth and it's forced a lot of people to kind of look at themselves and go oh radio Is that all that I am, the things that I produce? Mm. And that can be fairly confronting, which is another reason why I think that we have seen such an increase in people seeking mental health support, like wait lists are just crazy all round Australia, not just in Victoria, even if they don't have a mental illness per se, but just a, what is this? Why do I have this insatiable drive to produce, be busy and... Do I need to do anything about it, go easy on yourself. This is hard. Nobody knows the circumstances of anyone's lives and what's going on for them, so we just have to be also a little bit compassionate with others.
1: Well, that was Dr Joe Mitchell. What'd you make of that, Jan? Well, I think
0: the resounding thing that I took away from that is just to take it easy on yourself, mm. you know? doesn't matter where you are in Australia, it doesn't matter which lockdown you're in, it's hard, it sucks, and don't feel bad for feeling bad.
1: Yeah, even if that involves a fair bit of um, online shopping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe don't max out the credit card, Mm. but don't feel bad for buying the one thing you want to buy, you know?
1: All right, that's it for your weekday briefing. Uh, The weekend briefing will be here with Jamila Rizvi. Look out for this in your feed. Jamila, who have you got?
0: Thanks, Tom. This weekend, we have a really important episode. I am in conversation with Armani Haidar who is an advocate, author and artist. Armani lost her mother in 2015 to a brutal act of violence that was perpetrated by her father. She was five months pregnant at the time with her first baby. And we have a broad ranging, difficult, but really, really critical conversation about Family violence, about recovery from trauma, and about domestic abuse. I hope everyone takes some time to listen.
1: All right, that is the weekend briefing with Jamila Risby. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll look forward to speaking to you Monday. Listener,